forego that. <laughs> well, don't get too excited, Bill. I might ask you to come up and we'll sing together. Oh, Bill and I have already had the discussion this morning about trucks, so we... No, <laughs> we didn't. Well, I just want to begin by saying uh, how excited I am once again to have the opportunity to um, share just a little insight from Scripture that God gives. And it, it's always really thrilling when uh, and exciting to see how God gives direction, how He, he moves in a direction and he, how He... Uh, will lead in a certain direction, and you just, you know, there's no script. I mean, you just, there's nothing that says you've got to follow certain things, but uh, but you go through the week or, you know, a couple of weeks, and you just say, Lord, how what do you want to to us to cover this next time? So it's exciting in how God uh, has led me. I do have a title, but it's a very average unexciting title. And it's, it's kind of like, oh, I've heard that title before. It's, the title is Living by Faith. Okay, Living by Faith. So the Lord in the recent weeks has emphasized to me as we're looking through Scripture, it, He's emphasized to me the absolute necessity. And, I, and I'm choosing my words carefully it's an absolute necessity concerning this issue of living by faith completely. And I just have to tell you, you know, probably years ago when we talked about living by faith, I mean, I, I, look, I thought of living by faith. Well, that's like leaving my job and stepping out on faith and taking a full-time pastor. No, as, as the Lord matures us and takes us from place to place in Scripture, he shows us it's a whole lot more than that. It is, uh, it is a lot more than that. In fact, I'd just like to jump. Did you notice uh, in, the, in the Scripture that was read this morning? You know, I, I, I did a big ug when I, I, when I saw that. Um, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us entered, entering into his rest any of you should uh, seem to come short of it, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. It didn't profit them because it was not mixed with faith. And that's what you just read. And I said, yes, Lord, that's a further confirmation. We're on the right track today, and I'm going to go slowly. I want to go methodically. It's very simple, but it, it, it is an all-encompassing message about considering. And I don't know, I'm going to call this Living by Faith Part 1. I don't know if there's going to be a Part 2. So you know as much about that right now as I do. But we're going to call it Part 1. And so, uh, so how did I come to this conclusion uh, to go in this direction? Well, um, turn in your Bibles, and we're going to do this as much as we can. We're not going to be able to look at all the Scriptures, but Ephesians chapter 6, 
and you're very familiar with the passage for verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. You need to remember that, though, when you go through your daily life and you've got an issue with somebody, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the fight is. So we need to be aware of that. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all. Now this is the verse that God used to, to lead us in the direction that we're going in. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Taking the shield of faith wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked. So that was one verse. That was one verse. So then flip over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I've camped on this, these passages for years. These are, these are so important. But here's the one that God used recently to say, preach on faith. But let him ask, we're asking for wisdom, ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. So take up the shield of faith, let him ask in faith, uh, the gospel and the preaching of the word mixed with faith. I believe God wants us to discuss and go into the idea of the all-encompassing walk of faith for those of us who are believers. As I've already said, I believe it's an absolute must that we learn and I think it's a learned behavior, if you will. It's something we have to learn to do, to walk by faith. But it's not just the walk, it's the, it's the understanding of circumstances. It's the understanding of a sovereign God permitting certain things in our lives. We, we have to understand it's bigger than just, you know, I'm walking by faith and God did this and God did that. And by the way, I, I, I'm telling you, it's exciting to live that way from top to bottom, north to south, east to west, even into details. I can remember Mrs. Jones telling us this. She used to tell, I would go to the, uh, like to Sam's. They love to go to Sam's. I'd go to Sam's and I would pray for a parking spot. And, and I'd drive up and there it would be. And so this week we had several doctor's appointments. It's just kind of a wild, crazy week as far as that goes. All this, it's all annual stuff. And when you get our age, guess what you do? That's what you do. You get to go to the doctor. And get checked up. They, they take your pulse and they look in your throat and they say, I think you're fine. And so, so you know, we're running. By, I have to tell them this, Lynn. Is it okay that I tell them this? 
I've, I got to. We're always running tight, okay, on schedule. It just, it's always, that's just our lifestyle. That's the way we are. We just, for some reason, I don't know why, I've, I, it just, we struggle, but we get there. So we, we, um, we were battling. It was a, a doctor's appointment for the, the neurologist that I've had to go to this last year. And I'll tell you sometime more about that. It's, uh, it's very involved. But it was a visit for, with him on Thursday. So we're sliding in. I said, Lord, we really need a parking space close. It's a big, big lot. It's not anything like downtown. It's, it's College Station. It's out in the Ball Prairie. But it's a fine hospital, uh, Scott and White or something out there. Very nice hospital. So turn in, get to the parking lot. And the very first slot was open. And I said, Lord, that I know that's of you. So we go in, we get there, and the ladies, you know, my name and all the stuff, and she's kind of scratched her head. And I said, I'm not sure I like what I'm seeing here. That, you know, that's just what I told her. I said, I just don't think I like what's going on. She said, well, I see your name, and I see you've had an appointment and all, and, but I don't see you scheduled for today. And uh, I said, well, uh, we're, it's on our calendar, on my wife's calendar, and um, on Eve's calendar here. And um, so, um, <laughs> so, so she said, uh, well, sir, you had this appointment, but we moved you up to September because you needed to get in faster. So you've had your appointment ready, and the follow-up is in April. And I said, well, you know what? I've, I've never been really, really early, but this is the earliest I've ever been for any appointment ever in my whole life. Three and a half months early for an appointment. Now, that, that, we should make record of that, and we are, I guess. But anyway, every detail in life, you need to connect it to... And by the way, I, I said, now, Eve, this is Eve. She's my bookkeeper, you know. And uh, I don't know if the lady ever understood her name was Linda or not. I don't know. But anyway, I kept calling her Eve. But, uh, and I was hoping she'd catch it. But, uh, but anyway, boy, I mean, we never a crossword. We went out there, went to Discount Tire, got tires rotated. We got her phone cover fixed. We went to eat. I mean, we had a ball. But it just, you know, every detail, folks. So living by faith is a requirement for the Christian life. And if you're going to experience, and I've got a whole list, so if you're a note taker or whatever, if you're going to ever experience peace in your life, peace that the Lord promises, if you're ever going to experience victory over the enemies of the Christian, the world, the flesh, the devil, if you're ever going to have strong relationships with each other, if you're ever going to be a soul winner of any type, 30, 60, or 100 fold, or one, but a soul winner, right? Life trials, challenges, we all have those. And I talked to my sister yesterday, and we're going to have time of prayer for Rod Poole. I mean, they, they are in a rough spot. And our church needs to not forget them and remember them. Um, 
the hard times, the good times, stressful times, the impossible times, the fearful times, and yes, the glorious times. Living by faith is so much more than just God's supplying my food and my clothes and my transportation and my housing. And that's basically kind of what I've always related to living by faith. So, like I said, this is part one. I don't know where we're going to go from here, but let's just start off with Roman numeral one in your outline, and I'll show you an example of, and I want to give credit to Dr. Henry Blackaby because I, I love to read him. I love to uh, look at his uh, devotional books and things. I enjoy reading him, John MacArthur, uh, we love to, you know, Adrian Rogers, all the different ones, but want to give a lot of credit to uh, Dr. Henry Blackaby. But um, number one, just this one area of the faith to believe that God loves us. Now you say, that's simple. I know God loves me. But I want you to think, I want you to think about what that really means. So, Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4. First John 4, 16. I want you to look at this with me. And we have known and believed the love of God. Now, you see where we're going? We're talking about the faith to believe that God loves me. So we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, I want you to think about what we've just read. I want you to think about it. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. One of the greatest truths in the whole Bible I believe, and others agree with me, that God is love. It's one of the most, it's deep, it's, it's scholarly, it's simple, but it's the fact that God does love us. And we've got to come to that place in our lives where we begin to understand the full dimensions. You know, I, I, I've been dealing with people in churches and otherwise for a long, long time. And I think it's real easy for somebody to just kind of nod and say, yeah, I know God loves me. I know God loves me. But I want you to think about the full dimension. The ever, every angle of the fact that, that you see God's love, the full dimension. It will set us free on an exciting journey to be able to enjoy and discover all the joys of life 
that God has for each one of us as his children. God loves us as his own children. We are his. We belong to him. We are blood-bought. And he really does. You know, I've talked to so many Christians and, and so much of some of the... It's almost like Sikkim God or, you know, looking for God to, you know, slap you down or, or, or some of this, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just, I think we need to really rethink how we respond and, and how we're allowing God to respond to us and, and accept the fact by faith that he really does love you. And it's different than any kind of love you've ever experienced ever in your whole life. Now, Dr. Blackaby pointed out a couple of things. One, and I've heard this from other sources too, but one is if you come from a family background where there's not a lot of unconditional love, there is the possibility that you could grow up having difficulty really accepting the fact that God really does love you. But if you do come from a family, a warm, loving family, a family that's not harsh and not critical and, and not unloving. And if you come from a, a, a loving family, it may be easier for you to love, to understand the love of God a little bit. It's, it's a very strong possibility. So God, the scripture is clear. God is love. His character is love. He loves each one of us. He loves us so much that he, John 3, 16, he sent his only son to die for the whole world because he loves us so much. He took our place on the cross, shed his blood for us, died for us, was raised again. He, he loves us. Everything that God does in our lives, and you need to remember this, I've got a star bite in my notes. Everything that God does in each of our lives as Christians, it's done out of His love for us. And if we cannot accept the truth that God loves us, then we'll be limited in how we relate to Him. And how do we respond or think I want you to think about this because I've really tried to make this practical and so that we could really relate. But how do we respond to him when he disciplines us? How do we respond to him? He disciplines those he, whom he loves. But how do we respond when you know, and by the way, I think as a believer, you don't probably have to, you know, check with all your friends on whatever media you use or whatever social thing. You don't have to. I think if as a believer, you ought to know when God's bringing discipline. But how do you respond to that? Are you accepting it from his loving hand that this is a, a, an act of love from our father? How about when you're praying hard for something? I mean, there's we pray and we pray and we pray and we think we know God's will. We believe we know God's will and we're praying together for God's will. And God doesn't say yes, but he says no. How do we respond to a no from God? So 
when he brings discipline and when he says no. And we're all, we're just convinced this was God's will. And it doesn't always just, it doesn't have to just be living and dying, but it could be just life, anything in life, something about a job opening or, or anything. And you say, I just know this was God's will. And God slams the door and says, no. How do we respond to these things, to the discipline and to the no's? We need to accept them by faith and respond by faith. Hebrews, let's see, let's go back here to Hebrews uh, 12. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Whom the Lord loveth. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. So, how are we responding to these life events of discipline? And when we're praying, and we're really praying, God, I'm just certain this is your will. And he says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Living by faith, this is just one of the areas that we need to learn about God's love for us, and we take that by faith. It opens up, it opens up the depths and dimensions in a relationship with our Father that I think many miss out on and it it really will bring it will bring joy and peace and oftentimes when our life is so upside down and so crazy and so this is the wild the last two years has been the craziest time in our lives but when you begin to operate out of faith understanding the love of God seeing it from a bigger picture rather than all the things that we can conjure up in our minds about who's that fault and why is this and they're after me and all the See it from the perspective that God loves us as His children and nothing has been able to come into our lives without God's divine permission. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe and know that God has permitted it. God has allowed it. And I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart, He's allowed it because He loves us. He's allowed it because He loves us. Talk about, you know, we've got messages on living the abundant Christian life. You want to live the abundant Christian life? Walk by faith in the area of God's love. Embrace his love as he embraces you. Everything he orchestrates in our lives is out of his love. 
and accepting that and believing that and living this truth will equal profound sense of joy and security. And it will develop an unshakable confidence in our relationship with our wonderful, loving Heavenly Father. So as He disciplines us and He says no to us, what well, we have to be careful that we do not react in the flesh and become bitter at God over the things that He's doing in our lives, the things that He's permitting in our lives. And, and there can be, we can have resentment, we can be angry, we can be bitter, we can be fearful when we don't really understand this idea that God really loves us in a way there's no earthly love. There's no parent, no parent-child. Nothing can ever compare to us understanding and getting a grasp on the fact that God really does love us in a way that we can't really communicate. It's hard to even communicate it, how much he loves us. <clears throat> So God commands us to live by faith, and let's just look at a couple of verses here as we, as we look further. Look at, um, look at Romans 14. Look at Romans 14. Going to be moving into another area of living by faith and, and learning to please our Father with our faith. So Romans 14, 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not in faith. This is the passage. Let me back up a little bit. Um, Verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy uh, not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby my, thy brother stumbleth or is offended. Or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And, and this is where the verse 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not in faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11, if you will. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Verse 6. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm going to read it again. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without faith, the scripture says it's impossible to please him. So I, I believe you can need to break this down in two parts. We're talking about salvation, first of all. Salvation, it requires faith for salvation. Salvation is all about faith, all about the finished work of Calvary. Believers uh, believing in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who He is. He's the Son of God. And, and, and trusting Him completely that He is the sacrificial Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And He has died in your place as an individual. So we've, we've placed our faith for salvation in Him. And so we've got a couple of um, things I want to just point out here in John, um, John 6. Let me just see here. John 6, 29 and 28. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, now this is so powerful. I mean, I hope, that, I hope that you're familiar with this. This is the work of God. The work of God is that you believe on him who hath, he hath sent. So the question was, what do we need to do to do the works of God? And the answer from the Lord Jesus is, this is the work of God that you believe. This is the work of God that you believe on him who he, whom he has sent. And then, of course, the famous verse in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace, verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And we're talking about salvation first. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So faith... The Bible is clear, and I think everybody understands in this room, everybody understands that our faith uh, is a requirement for salvation, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to get to heaven, and Jesus said it himself in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me or through me. So faith in relations to uh, salvation, that makes, places us in a position. That's our positional. We're complete. Now then that we've, see, because you have to struggle a little bit when you say, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Well, I've already pleased him by placing my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says I'm already complete in him. But I believe that relates to our position in Christ. Our position in Christ. But now we have the second area, not just our position in Christ, who we are in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies, but 
our experience, our daily experience with him. I believe that's where the real application comes in this Hebrews verse that without faith, it's impossible to please him. I think it's applied both ways, salvation, but also our daily walk with him, our walking with him every day. I believe this, the verse is making it clear. We can make choices in life that are not as favorable, not pleasing to our Father, and we can make choices in our lives that do please the Father. And it's all by faith. It's our faith. It's our faith in our, our, our experience going through life. It's our words. Do you, have you connected the dots? Have you thought about the fact that Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So think about our conversations with people. Think about how we speak, what we say. Is it, is it a conversation of faith? Is it, is it edifying to other believers? And does it demonstrate faith in our conversation? Or is it an, a conversation that's tearing down and negative about others and, and, and different ones? And I'm convinced this is what this scripture is about. Our words can demonstrate our faith and our words can please the Father or our words can displease the Father. Our decisions that we make, we, we make a decision to move here, move there, leave the church, stay in the church, whatever. Those decisions please the Father or displease the Father. And so our actions, our, our, our individual choices, these are things that throughout life we need to be aware what I'm about to do right now, is it of faith and is it demonstrating to the Father, is it pleasing the Father that I'm making this decision? Is this decision I'm about to do, is this going to please my Father, my Heavenly Father? Whenever God reveals something, He expects us to believe Him. When He reveals it, when He shows it. And see, I can have confidence today, the Holy Spirit's the teacher, and He is revealing things to you that you didn't think you were going to be thinking of today when you walked in here. But when God reveals truth, He expects us to respond to it. He expects us to adjust our lives to it. You know, wouldn't it be sad if all of us who've been to seminars after seminar after seminar and spent hours and hours and hours listening to the preaching of the Word of God and nothing has changed in the last 10 years? I mean, you know, you and I may think really highly of ourselves, but from God's perspective, what has changed in our walk, in our demeanor, in our behavior, with our attitudes? What has changed in the last 10 years? We're either pleasing the Father or we're not pleasing the Father in our daily walk. It takes total faith. It means... Just think about these few things. It means that we trust Him 
completely for all of our needs. Because he has promised to supply all of our need in Philippians 4.19. But it's going to take faith. Now, we, we're living in troubled times. We're living in desperate times. I don't, know, I don't know of anything that you can point to in our country that's really looking great. And the hope for the future, it just doesn't look too promising. And so, but, but I'm asking, are we, are we totally trusting God with the future of our country? Are we trusting God with the future of our family? Are we trusting God totally with the future of our church? So it means that we're going to have to trust him to supply what seems to be and may seem to be an impossibility. It also means, number two, it also means that when we approach crisis, and there's plenty of crisis out there, when we approach crisis, when our family, when we engage in crisis, that we enter into the crisis with the assurance that God will bring some good from it. He's working all things together for good to them that love God. So whatever the crisis is, whatever the situation is, no matter what it is, we enter into it with confidence that God's going to work together good from it and in it. So our Christian response to these chaotic times during the pandemic, I would say probably church has made, you know, probably a D minus in our response to all these things that are going on. I don't see the church really, you know, that's just my own personal opinion. I don't see us really responding a whole lot in faith to what God has allowed in the last two years. And, and it's important that we kind of reset. You know, you can push the reset button. It's, it's important to reset. It's important to rethink. It's important to examine. It's important... To really be honest. And, and that was my prayer today is uh, for today as I've been preparing this and, and looking forward to this. I just want believers to be honest and transparent before God. That you'll just be honest and transparent before God. And if God begins to do something, see, I wish you could just almost take personalities and you know remove all of that. But if you could just say, God, I think you're speaking to my heart today. Now, the guy that you're using there, I'm not real fond of him, but, but I believe you're speaking to my heart. And I really believe that you're trying to show me something. And I, it, it's my prayer. I've, been, I've prayed, Lord, let us be honest and transparent before God in all this craziness that we would learn to walk by faith, accept, believe, and trust that God is working in a bigger way all things together for good to them that love Him. It means that we can overcome anxiety during very stressful situations because in 1 Peter 5, 7, the, the word of God is casting all our care upon him for he careth for you. We've, we've, the word is telling us what to do. 
We're in these times. We're facing these troubles. We're facing all these struggles. And, and, and it does create some anxiety in, because we are human. But God has an answer. He says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He loves you. And we need to be casting our cares on him. Philippians 4, 6, isn't it amazing? Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So God has answers as we're over here wringing our hands and being all stressed out. God is telling us as the church, as believers, what we need to be doing. Casting our cares upon Him and be careful. Don't be anxious for anything. There's nothing. There is one fear that we ought to have, and that's the fear of God. And I, I'm just wondering, which invitation, which invitation in my lifetime are we going to see Christians just really be honest before God and fall on their face and say, God, I've not been operating out of faith. I know my decisions and my words, my behavior has been not pleasing to you. I've, I've not been pleasing to you. I need, a, I need to repent. I need a change. I've totally failed you. I'm guilty. You know, that would be, wouldn't it be wonderful if the church believers would just finally say, God, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I'm guilty. I'm not living by faith. I'm not walking by faith. I'm walking by the flesh. The opposite of living by faith is stress, anger, gossip, flesh. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It means we never worry about being alone. I, I don't know how many times I've heard this in the last, oh, you know, my lifetime, but people said, oh, I hate that he died alone. Folks, you need to get that straight. As a child of God, since the Lord Jesus said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, they may not have you present, but if they are born again, they did not die alone. They did not die alone. They had his presence. I'm going to tell you what, when it's all said and done, his presence is going to mean a whole lot more than your presence. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> there you go. So we, we stop worrying about some of these things and we start living by faith. It's up to each one of us to deal with these two truths, just two simple, that God loves you. God loves you. He loves you in a way that you really may not really fully, and I don't think till heaven we'll really get it completely. But we're, we're moving in the right direction. That God loves us in a way, but it's going to take our faith. We need to believe. Today, you need to leave here. God loves me. God's not after me, not wanting to, you know, cut my head off. God loves me. And when he disciplines, and when he says no, 
he still loves me. He, he said no because he loves me. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I just hope and pray that during this invitation, there could be some genuine heart searching and genuine repentance in our lives. That we could honestly say, Lord, I, I, this is a simple, simple, simple title, simple message. By faith, I've got to accept the fact that God loves me. And by faith, I've got to understand that I've got to have faith to please him. In the experience side, not in the positional side, but in the experience side, the daily walk, I've got to live by faith. In my words, my deeds, my actions, the things I say to people. My prayer today is there will be heartfelt repentance, genuine, and it can only come from God. I can't make it happen. I can't produce it. But I do believe, I do believe with all of my heart, God can. And I pray he will. And we have to say yes to him and respond to him. So let's pray. Father, we trust you to accomplish your will. You knew before the foundation of the world the message that would be preached and how we need to live by faith in so many areas. So It's such a wide spectrum. God, I pray that you would convict us and help us to see how we're not living by faith, how our, our flesh takes over and takes control and we say things and we act things and we make choices and and God, I just pray for real brokenness today that from all of us, I just pray all of us would fall on our face before you and just say, Lord, I, I'm guilty. I'm sorry. I've not been living my life, the life you've called me to. I've not been living by faith. So I pray today there'd be some genuine, real spiritual work that takes place in our hearts and lives today. And we'll be careful to praise you and trust you with the results. And we pray for those that might be lost, that today would be that most glorious and exciting day for them. They'd come to Jesus by faith and receive him and trust him as their Lord and Savior. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much that Jesus died on Calvary for each one of us. And you've provided so much for us if we could just begin to take that step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.